And these are good parents. These are good parents doing the best job that they can. They miss the warning signs because nobody told them what to look for. They had no idea what to look for. Um, and, and like so many parents, they don't want to believe that their child ever is going to get involved in substances. That can't happen to my child. It happens to other children. Uh, so they were really caught off guard and surprised. So. Street talk. Mental health. Street talk. Mental health. Street talk. Mental yeah, this is Straight Talking Mental Health, your podcast that discusses all things mental health and we straight talk it so we don't pull any punches, we shoot straight from the hip and that's basically it. Some people have a habit of sugarcoating things, we definitely do not. My name is Peter <laughs> Dumb, this man here, he's a psychotherapist, his name is Alan Clark. How do? Pshu pshu. Pshu pshu. You've done that before. That's me shooting from you've the hip. Done, I know you've from done that before on it. You've done that before on a different episode. Did I? Yeah, well, you, know, you set them twice. up. I knocked them out the park. <laughs> Jesus, man. Sorry, didn't realize Did you? we weren't allowed to fucking repeat yourselves. <laughs> yeah, you can't do the same shit on a different podcast. Come on, man. Don't even remember, yeah. man. We've done so many. So this is what, 80, <laughs> 86? You know, mm-hmm. can't fucking keep track of them all, man. And I've done every single one of them. You know, that, that, that's a lot of that's a lot of podcasts. Fair play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, Um, that's what we do. Exactly. We shoot from the hip. We talk shit. We embarrass each other. (laughs) That's how we do it. That's how we do it. We've been doing it for a while now. And don't forget, you can check out the website, um, (laughs) stmhpodcast.com. Say it with some confidence. stmhpodcast.com. I go for the end. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm not really sure because I get around most weeks. As I keep saying to you, I don't visit our website. You say There's it enough. There's no need for me to visit our website. You used to say it every other week. people to do? Uh, I used to write it down. I don't write it down anymore. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to email us, it's hello at stmhpodcast.com. Or you can get us on all the socials. Just type it in. Straight talk on mental health. You'll get what are you eating? Now. Apologies, I'm eating crisps. <laughs> Fucking, it was, yeah. was a Mr. Kipling's last, last time. Mm. You're on the crisps today. What else are you on today? I have... Oh. Davino. Davino, you classy bitch. You mm, are look at this classy glass. Broad, look at this glass. Look, look at that glass. Mm. Definitely need to put a mm. video up of that. Yeah. I think it's a a 2022 <coughs> Chateau de Aldi. Four <laughs> euro ninety five. Yeah. I can smell the parazone <coughs> off it. <laughs> Looks like the mm. stuff I uh, I put in my windscreen washer in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody did that for me one day. What? When I got my car service, somebody did that for me one day, and I remember using the windscreen washer, and there must be like pure alcohol in it to stop it from freezing in the window. Oh yeah, yeah. And I came up to a fucking checkpoint where the guardy, yeah, the guardy were uh, were stopping and breathalyzing people, and the bang of alcohol in the car was fucking rotten. So there you go. Although I did never notice so. <laughs> well, we are recording on Paddy's night, so mm-hmm. not not Patty's. We have an American guest on later on, so let's just clarify that for all, all our Americans. It's not Paddy, it's Paddy. Good old Paddy's there. So we're, we're putting Paddy. in work, man. Paddy's night, you know, bank holiday here. We're recording yeah. a podcast. Paddy's night, here we are, sober. That's dedication. Man, you're getting there. How many? Well, you, well, you're four there. pints P. How many glasses of wine are you? Half. No, that's my, that's, that's my first. That's your first. So by the yeah, end of this class, you, you definitely hear a difference with P. <laughs> nah, I think um, I can drink more wine than beer, I think. 
Yeah, mm. I'm like that with the gin, man. I don't fucking drink any of the gin. Mm. Tell no, you, I'm I can't drink gin. cocktails. Holy shit! Mm. I was on the cocktails in England last week. <laughs> mm. <laughs> How do you get on, by the way? Very, uh, um, very British experience. Oh, oh man, <laughs> oh, we'll get into that in a minute. Let's 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 talk about what we're talking about this week first. Mm-hmm. Oh Jumped yeah, ahead. we're yeah. talking about the addicted child, and. Mm. Very soon, we're going to be joined by Richard Capriola, and he's the author of the book, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. Now, this is something that's come up, has propped up loads of times before on the podcast. And uh, Alan, you have some experience in this background as well. I do. I do. Although I tend not to not to work with addiction because it is a very difficult um area to work in anyone that works in it high burnout you know and when you're in private practice i tell you who's not a priority when it comes to paying me <laughs> who you, who would you rather spend your money on your your drink or drug of choice or uh therapy you'll, you'll get your quick fix with um with your substance of choice mm. therapy is a longer a longer more expensive route but long long term the better option long-term benefits so yeah. i but no, look i've plenty i've plenty of uh, plenty of experiences working with addiction and uh, certainly it's a it's a growing a growing concern with with any parent as their child mm. i mean how many how many teenagers are out getting absolutely shit-faced at this exact moment in the country in a field somewhere drinking a flag and a cider mm. so is that still a thing do, do, do kids still do that the flag and the cider i don't know i don't know so, I don't know. Let us know. If you're a teenager and you're still drinking flag and the cider. And <laughs> yeah, listening to this. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For so our that, friends over in the US, it's like a 40 ounce. Uh, maybe a yeah, smaller, yeah. smaller than a 40 ounce. Um, our friends in the UK, it's like a, a litre and no, a half bottle them. of coke, basically. Yeah, no, they got them. They yeah, got but do, do they call them flagons? No, they, I don't have to call them a flagon, but they certainly mm. have... What do they have? They have Magners. We have Bulmers. Linden Village. That's that's the old reliable, wasn't it? Flag Linden, Linden Village. Village. That, that do you was know where it's made? It do you know where it's made? No. Funny enough, not in Linden Village. It's made in Tipperary. All right. It's Irish, no. is it? Didn't even know it was Irish. Yep. A bought it for a mate of mine as a piss take. Mate of mine, Chrissy. Drink cider. <laughs> and uh, we went to his house there a few weeks ago. And uh, picked up a few cans and I said, I'll get him a few drinks. And then I seen a bottle of Linden Village for like four euro. I said, I'm going to have to get him a bottle of Linden Village just to rip the piss. And you know what he did? He drank it that night. So fair play to him. Oh, God. <laughs> Man, Christy. <laughs> fair play. Mm. So, shout Actually, out to everyone. Bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I had to say. <laughs> a good year, was it? Mm. Yeah, it was a good year. Yeah. yeah. Two, 2019. Mm. Uh, subtle yeah, under, in... undercurrents of Apple and... <laughs> What is that? And uh, sell engine by day. cleaner. <laughs> 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 yes. Oh, stop. Mm, cat piss, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's the crack with you? You were that's, over. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about this week. Anyway, mm. yeah. Oh yeah. As as we talk about drink, as, as we talk about Paddy's there. Oh, I was drunk, man. I was fucking drunk. Over in England. Yeah. And I'm oh, playing my daughter. Explain. Yeah, <laughs> went out. We went out for some. Well, we were, we had dinner booked, and um, so oh, should we get in a, we get Canterbury? A, just in Canterbury, over in Kent. Canterbury. Yes, darling. Yes. How are you? Delightful. 
Um, we had dinner booked, and said, oh, so we'll get a few drinks before while we're waiting on the table. So I went into this. Oh, the lovely cocktails in here. Grand. I got me mojito. Love a mojito. Pre-dinner drinks are lovely, aren't you? You just get that yeah, little yeah. buzz on the empty stomach. So she, yeah, she gets... Uh, yeah, that's always like, yeah, get a nice little buzz going on on this now. That, that, yeah. that, that'd be nice. And another just one with one, dinner. Just one. Maybe two. Nice, nice little. Two, we had two. We had the two. Yeah, the but two. that's okay. You can do two. Don't but do that, any more that, than that. That was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm on the I have a mojito and she orders a thing I was like oh what's that she's like it's a porn star martini I was like oh, what's that she said, I'll taste that I was like what oh, that tastes nice I said that, that tastes like more but it was grand so a porn star martini comes out and it's, I think it's passion fruit in it and you get some of them served a shot some of them don't you get a shot of uh, um, Prosecco with it that you, that you pour in so I'm going to put the Prosecco in to start with so I taste and I was like ooh that's, that's, that's tasty so she has that and then I got another cocktail just to try it wasn't as good we go for dinner we have a frozen daiquiris we go into a Mexican so we have frozen daiquiris and then we went to the pub afterwards and and when the mojito she goes on the she goes on the porn star martini again I think um, I was like I do another one she's like oh I'll have one more I was like I'm going to get one of them they're, they're tasty I'm going to have one of them at this point now, I've got a good little buzz going on. Like, i got a good, good buzz. She stops at that one. I was like, I'm getting another one of them. Up at the bar. You're fucking talking to everyone because they hear the Irish accent. Have another one. And I think I had another one then again. And um, I was walking walking back from the pub to the hotel. And I was texting. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm a little bit wobbly here. Oh. <laughs> the fresh air hit you on the way yeah, home. The fresh air hit me. And yeah, I was like, oh, the fresh shit. Air. <laughs> so get up the next morning and you know that you tentatively kind of open you don't even open your eyes you just you gain consciousness and you're there going fuck am I young over yeah I'm oh I don't know yeah well, just, just give it a second there now let me let me see how it feels don't think so maybe I'll feel it when I get it when I stand up so I stand up and I'm like no no I'm not I'm not, I'm not hung over I'm not right but I'm not hungover. And, and, and the whole day, I'm just, I just felt it was one step ahead of a fucking hangover. It was like it was chasing me. I said, like, I'm going to get you. If you I'm going to fucking catch you <laughs> later on. So I met Adina then later on. And I was like, how are you? She's like, I'm not great. I'm not hungover, but I'm not great. I was like, I can't make any sudden movements with my head. Like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we were we were a bit we were a bit dodgy for the day um as a result of drinking too many cocktails that went down that went down too easy mm-hmm. so my daughter is a is a bad influence on me that was, that was nice. me that was me nice to be able to say it was not you know what i mean yeah it's nice to be able to say it is it was a very nice thing to be able to, to be able to say so that's 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 me main gossip what's, what's been going on with you before we get into anything else what's been happening um, with you what's the happy it's funny you mentioned that actually i went for went for mid midweek points with a mate of mine midweek uh, points let me see was it last week and uh i love On a school night pints. not even a bank I holiday love, but i love midweek points they're not Jeez. nicer than just they're not every week jeez i'm not an alcohol mm. you know what i mean maybe oh, every, rare is wonderful maybe you know? every, every quarter you know <laughs> we'll go for midweek points of like a wednesday or something when it's quiet and uh about five or six points home happy out um, except the next nice day, buzz. yeah. Oh, yeah, great crack. Nah, yeah, but nice um, buzz. next day, waking up, and you're going, like you say, I'm a hungover. I'm a hungover. <laughs> and you get up and you go, I'm okay, 
I'm okay. I'm okay. Yes. I'm okay. I'm okay. And but then all of a sudden, I was in the kitchen after having a bit of breakfast, making breakfast for the kids, getting ready to drop them to school and drop Laura to work because I left my car in town. And all of a sudden, I went, "Oh, I'm going to have to sit down." Oh, I can't take the Oh, <laughs> it, it was like somebody threw a blanket over my head and went, now, there you go, you prick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> take that, take that, bollocks, take that. Bollocks. Oh, no. You know, you come through that, you know, and then, like, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Then Jordan Walker was like, oh, again, oh, no, oh, no. If I move, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get sick. <laughs> but you just, you know, you you see your way through it. You meditate through it, don't you? You know, yeah. I, I was I wasn't that Can bad I... now, but I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't eating that day anyway. That, that's for sure. Mm. Um, Dean is like, are you going to have anything to eat now later on? Because I was going to see the Batman. I was going to see the new mm. Batman movie over there. I was like, no. I said, oh, I was like, oh, I don't know. Don't 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 think so. I said, hell yeah, fucking. Half a liter of coke now and a few jellies and stuff in the cinema. That'll that'll sort me right out. Um, <laughs> but I get to the cinema and the audience is closed over there. So there's one posh, fancy fucking art house cinema over there. And I go in. Do you know what's not there? There's people. no fucking pick and mix. Oh, <laughs> oh no, there's oh, people there. There's no sell, pick and mix. They don't sell sweets. There's no fucking buckets of coke. But what you right. can have is you can have olives. You can have hummus. <laughs> you can have a, a, a bitter lemon. Who I'm goes to the gone. cinema for a bitter lemon? You want nachos with fucking cheese that four, you can't buy anywhere else in the world. Four fucking pound, man, for your little bottle, your little small pub bottles of, of, of lemon. Oh, I was Jesus like, well, well, that fucking knocked that idea on the head. Fuck man, I've, man, I've seen movies I didn't want to see based on the fact that I wanted the fucking nachos. <laughs> you know, I just <laughs> went for the nachos. Went, yeah, 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 watch that. No, 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 grand, yeah. yeah. Fall asleep, happy out. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Uh, it was shite. Yeah. So, so you would imagine that would that would have been as bad as it got. So mm-hmm. I go up, I book me pre book me seats, middle middle, you know, nice. It's only a small little place, you know. I was like, oh, this is, Slap this bang, is class. Yeah. This, this is lovely, like you know, it's savage looking. Sitting there, seat D seven, bang, bang in the middle. This couple comes up. Uh, excuse me, I think you're in our seats. I was like, no, no, D D seven, that's that's me. Oh, actually, we've got D seven and D eight. I was like, and I showed my phone. I was like, I got these. I was like, oh, look, you sit here. It's grand. You sit, you know, I'll, I'll find somewhere else. It's grand. I'll, I'll, I'll move back. Like, you can sit together. Oh, oh thanks very much. Thank you. So I move. Yeah. I move back. As I, I'm hanging back a little bit, going, that's fucking weird. I'm hanging back. People start coming in. I'm going, oh, what the fuck? What's going on here? Because like, there was no one in. You know, the film was to start at 20 past seven. There's no one in. So two people in, four people maybe. And I'm sitting there and people start coming in. I'm going, Oh, this is going to get fucking awkward now. Now I'm probably in someone else's seat. Mm-hmm. Many times so you have going, to move. Yeah, that, this is what I'm predicting. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Get me phone, get the ticket. I'm there on the Saturday night, checked it, booked it for the fucking Friday night, didn't he? Oh. I was like, you dumb bastard. I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I go onto the website on my phone. Website won't fucking load up. I'm texting the Dean again. She's like, oh shit, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. How did you get into the theatre? I don't know. I just showed your man. I just showed your man. Oh, yeah. Fire away. Yeah. So he obviously just seen the Batman. See D7. So I'm going, oh, man, this is really filling up now. Like, So she's like, oh, hang on. I'll I'll try and get on the website. She said, there's one ticket left. I was like, hang on, hang on. So I ran down to the lobby. 
showed it, showed me ticket. I was like, oh yeah, oh we've one seat left. I was like, all right, well I have to take it. So I've already paid fourteen pound pound <laughs> for the first ticket. Now I have to pay fourteen pound for another ticket. And she's like, oh, oh there you go, last seat. Where is it? Front row, middle. I'm fucking oh, sitting back. Nick. The back Nick. of my head is touching yeah. off my shoulders for three hours as I as I watched the Batman. Haven't bought two tickets technically to to see it. So the the four pound bitter lemon was was a very bitter was only the start of it. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm thinking is, if you seen that there was one seat left, why did you buy it? Why didn't you just sit in it? No, I didn't because there were still people downstairs. Like the people were just coming in. I'm like, this could be sold out. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to just fuck off. Whenever, all just keep moving. Were just walking in, and they were all walking in. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. At the start of his grand, it's like, well, ah. the film's supposed to start twenty past seven. It's twenty past seven. There's me and I think three other people here. Mm. It's grand. A few stragglers start coming in. Mm-hmm. So over there, they obviously go, well, I don't want to see the trailers. So I'll just come in when yeah. the movie's set to start. And then it was, full, sure, it was sold out. And that you want had to get the manager over. Uh, excuse me, can you can you unlock? So whether that's to keep that seat free or something, I don't know. But I got the I got the last one. <laughs> Front row, <laughs> no, and he good, brilliant, Movie. brilliant, brilliant really? film, absolutely, yeah, fantastic film. What's yeah. Colin Farrell like in it? Excellent, absolutely excellent. I, I okay. was a bit skeptical. Like, nah, he, he can be a de- decent actor. I was skeptical when they did all the makeup on him and all of that. I was like, oh, this could be a bit fucking cartoonish now, you know, lampooning kind of thing. But he was absolutely fantastic. You'd never, you'd never guess it was it was Colin Farrell under it, um, and every 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 actor in it was was brilliant. So highly recommend it. And I say that as a as a huge Batman fan, as mm, everyone knows. Mm, okay, high praise, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So you enjoy you enjoyed your trip over to London. No, well, well, Londonbury to Can- London to Canterbury. So mm. yeah, that's 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 oh, I hate that. I hate that bit on the train because you'd stop at Tower Bridge. I think it's Tower Bridge or Blackfriars, one of them. And you're right underneath the, the shard in London. I was like, oh, I'd love to be getting off in London. But mm. you just continue on. Seeming dull. Kids. <laughs> Not living in London. <laughs> Not being successful enough to afford London <laughs> rent. Uh, right? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> hurry, hurry up and become a radiographer for fuck's sake. Like, get, make that good money. <laughs> what, what, what's your, your, your love of the shard? Where does that come from? <laughs> you know, I've, I've had this conversation um, and it's like I've got a favourite building my favourite building is the Chrysler building in New York I love the, I love the Art Deco style and I've got a favourite building in London and that's the Shard and my other favourite building is the Burj Khalifa in, in Dubai tallest building mm-hmm. in the world that I was up the top of and <laughs> Sunny's other day has gone how did I not know I was fucking autistic before now? I've got favourite buildings. Like, who the fuck has favourite buildings? <laughs> it's like, the signs were there, people. How do we not pick up on this shit? Like, <laughs> I just love it. I love, I love architecture. I'm fascinated by, by architecture. Um, just buildings. I love churches, cathedrals. I'm just in awe of um, the skill required to, to, to build something like that. Um, mm. So just architecture. I love, I love architecture. Um, mm. and the shard is just all glass heading over in April for my birthday so we'll, we'll probably go to the top of the shard book a, book a meal there or something so good so that's, yeah. that's the I fun. was up there before I was up in the shard were you? Uh, I think I went two thirds of the way up in good hallway up and uh, Worth it. Yeah, lovely views over London uh, oh they're fantastic good absolutely fantastic yeah definitely recommend it yeah. to anybody 
Um, let me see. Do we have any correspondence? Yeah, anybody? We have, we have some correspondence now. We have we have cool. a pretty big one. I've, I've got a pretty big one to to, to read out here. Um, we've been we've been full of the the social media comments recently, but we're going to going to switch it up a little bit to to a bigger email at the moment. So we had a, a wonderful um, email from Darren. Darren, thanks very much for for reaching out and getting in touch with us. Just wanted to drop you guys a message to say a big thank you. I I really not sure I. S- I'm really not sure I stumbled across your podcast. I've been having a really tough time these last three months and sadly been having numerous suicidal thoughts. Very sorry to hear that, Darren. I likely just randomly searched mental health podcasts on Spotify and came across yours. Bit of a long story. My mental health struggles started six years ago when my daughter was born. I still remember the day we came home from the hospital and I burst into tears. Fear, worry, the list goes on. And I just really struggled. Sadly, I committed the biggest mistake and told absolutely no one. Four years on, nothing changed. I buried myself in my job to avoid dad stuff and basically dreaded the weekend when I knew it was harder to hide. After four years and the start of lockdown, my partner really had enough. Who can blame her, really? We broke up for a couple of months and I was in a real crap place. At this point, I was at my lowest and eventually found it in me to tell her and my parents everything. They were all surprised but also supportive at the same time. We got back together and things were okay. I for sure feel like as a dad, I do more and get involved tons more. Equally, my partner seems to respect I struggle sometimes with things. Sadly, it's been two years since my admission and my relationship with my partner just always had that something missing now. The fact I never confided in her originally really hurts. I think deep down and there is always the element of trust missing now. We've decided to break up with a now six-year-old and the last three months are obviously quite hard sorting finances, etc., I've been really worrying about how I can cope as a dad now on my own. She's always been there or close and I've had that mental safety blanket even though I've not really needed it. My mental health has plummeted and I constantly just want to be to not be here anymore. Genuinely believe her and my daughter are better without me, worrying about me, etc. I went out running last night and listened to the suicide episode where the girl's boyfriend committed suicide. It hit me so hard. I stopped and just sat in the forest last night for almost 45 minutes, just just listening, crying. It actually made me feel guilty for her feeling like I do. It made me really realise I need more help and I need to speak to people. I will get through this. I need to for my daughter's sake. I owe her the world, even though I feel like such a letdown right now. Just please know you guys have made a huge difference to me. Thank you, Darren. Wow. Darren, thanks so much for that. We we haven't had an email like that or anybody get in touch uh, from that point of view. And, you know, that that's one thing I love about what we've done in this podcast. We've created a community of people who can get in touch and talk about different things from different angles. And, you know, that that admission, I think that's a, that's, that's a big thing, you know, because I, I don't think people realize how much pressure dads are under, new dads, mm. Mm. you know, and... No matter how hard you try, sometimes you can feel guilty as a dad that you're not doing enough. You know, you put a lot mm. of pressure on yourself. You know, I think all dads are guilty of it. You know, putting so much pressure on yourself and you're trying to provide for the family, but you're trying to be there for the kids at the same time. And that's a tough, yeah. tough balance. <clears throat> it's a tough thing to do. And yeah. yeah, how common is it do you see in your practice, Alan, a situation like Darren's? Oh, I mean, sure. You know, and I, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, you know, it's it's a difficult, it's a very different experience, obviously, as a father, when it comes to, when it comes to parenting, you know, 
before the baby is born, it's we we understand there's there's an abstract concept of a child. Mm. You know, we know it's there. We see we see the belly getting bigger, and you can feel it move, but we don't really know it. You know, our our partners they live it. It's literally growing inside them. They are mm. they are baking this thing. They they're adjusting to it all. They're bonding instantly as soon there's as a connection there. It's there yeah. they're, they're bonding. We gotta wait until it comes out, mm. and then it's like oh shit. Right, I got this. Wow, there's this thing now, and oh fuck, your literal survival is dependent on me, mm. and it's it's a lot of pressure. And I, I think, you know, I've I've said it before in the podcast. I think our our generation are, are you know we're probably the first to push a pram. You know, before that it was yeah. oh, sure, that's fucking women's work. Oh sure, yeah, you know, I I go out, I make the money, you stay home, you look after the kids. Like yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Our, ours is a generation that's been actively overall is actively more involved. Mm-hmm. in parenting and we, we say it we joke about it on the podcast the whole time you know they, they don't come with a manual and they really don't come with a manual as a father you know women yeah. will the, the the mothers will have the health nurse out they'll they'll, they'll have the talks in the hospital with the nurses etc and stuff like that and they'll have checkups um and you know it's it's not really there for men and you know, and I think actually as a, a good topic, actually, as as we talk about this, would probably one be for postnatal depression in men. For men, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, if, yeah. you know, if anyone's out there has has gone through it, or even mm. if Darren would like to come on and tell his story, absolutely, I think that's a I think that's a very important, uh, very important topic that that should be that mm. should be covered and isn't covered. Yeah, and one of the things that just hit me in that email was um, Darren saying that his uh, his partner and a six year old be better off without him. I mean. That's you the know, problem. look, you think of that six-year-old girl, Darren, and the big moments in her life, you know, when she's, um, you know, graduating from school, you know, and she's maybe going to her Debs or something like that, or mm. she's uh, waiting on her leaving cert results, she's getting into college, first days, last days, you know, who's going to give her away on her wedding day, who's going to walk her up the aisle, yeah. you know, and she'll always be thinking of her dad. You know, yeah. you'll always all, be there. All she'll want is her father there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, Jesus darn. Every birthday, every and, Christmas, yeah. every special event. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, thankfully, Darren has, has reached out to us. The episode he yeah. was talking about was that episode we did with Amy, whose whose boyfriend had, had killed mm-hmm. herself. And yeah. our biggest, uh, actually our biggest, our biggest uh, episode. Yeah. Our yeah. most popular episode. Yeah. So that obviously resonates with, with a Absolutely, lot of people. Yeah. Um, well, look, Darren, definitely, definitely re- you get help. You you can talk to somebody, you know, yeah. get it out of your system because, you know, your, your little girl needs you, you know. Mm-hmm. Again, humbling, humbling for us, you know, that he wants us to know how much that we've made a huge difference. And again, not for the first time we've, yeah. we've had that impact on someone's life. So, you know, that's why we do what we do. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. That's yeah. it. But uh, Darren, thanks so much for getting in touch. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it's stories like yours that, that make this podcast what it is. You know, we started it out with our own ideas and topics, but you know, the likes of Darren has come in and given us a different perspective on things. And, you know, that's, what we want to hear, you know, we want to hear different perspectives, different angles, men, women, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, as we say, it's not just women who suffer from postnatal depression, it's men. And, you know, we, um, we, we love them kind of stories because your story will resonate with somebody else. And if it's going to resonate with one person, this podcast is going to resonate with thousands yeah. of people on this podcast. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, thanks so much for getting in touch, Darren. Uh, please do and- look after yourself. 
you know, get talking to somebody and uh, and let us know. Let us know how you're doing. Check back in with us in a while. Or if Please you want to yeah, we, story, had, we had Nick. Yeah. We had Nick from America. He he had done the same. We we, mm-hmm. we he'd gotten contact and we'd noticed a change in him. And you know, these are people we don't know. They 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 know us, but you know, we we hear from them how things are changing, and mm-hmm. you know, that's 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 a nice thing to to be able to. Hear. I never imagined these conversations. You know that. What you mean? I know. Like I know we were doing a, I know we we're doing a mental health podcast. I knew we were covering different topics, but I, I never imagined correspondence like that. Did you? When we started this, I, I never envisioned anything like that. No, I suppose you're just thinking, oh, we'll talk and people will listen, and that's it. Mm. But no, mm. you know, you don't want that. But you want people to get involved. You know, you yeah. want people to tell their story and people to kind of take this over themselves and dictate what way they want the podcast to go. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like with Richard, our guest later on, he got in touch with us and he wanted to talk to us. And uh, we said, yeah, come on, let's chat. It's something we haven't really spoken yeah. on too much detail in um, The Addicted Child. So, you know, we want to we want to hear from from people from, as I said, different angles, different walks of life, yeah. different topics. You know, there's thousands of them out there. So let's try and tackle as much as we can and just break that stigma. Yeah, drop us an email like Darren did to hello at stmhpodcast.com or get us on any of the any mm. of the social medias. Did I say Nick that had reached out or did I say Raymond? I think I said Nick. Uh, I meant to say, oh, Nick. I meant to say Raymond. Yeah, Raymond. Yeah, got in touch, Nick yeah. was a former guest. Yeah, so Raymond was back on. Gentlemen, thanks for the smiles and royals a bit. Always good to have a bit of crack in the morning. Not sure how you spell it in Ireland. You nearly got it, Raymond. <laughs> <laughs> the fun is one of the reasons I like you guys. Humor makes the world a better place to live on, to live in. That was last two weeks ago. We we mm-hmm. did our first just smiles and royals. No, That's no it, real yeah. topic. Mm-hmm. Amazing feedback on it. Yeah, <laughs> That's, we're just going on. We're talking, and you know what? Do you know what I realized? Talk. <laughs> no, do you know what I realized? And this and mm-hmm. this is why I, I you know I always push this bit, and it's something I've realized. Um, I started listening to the Sunny podcast. Oh, I was going to ask you. I was going to listen to Sonny. I am fucking Glenn Howerton. You're absolutely right. Thank you very much. It's like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I relate to this motherfucker so much. (laughs) We're the same age, I think, as well. I was like, oh, shit. I'm not from Mm -hmm. Alabama. Um, (laughs) But another podcast I listen to. Go on. It's it's the behind the scenes. That's what people want. Hmm. You know, you're listening to podcasts and Sunny because it's the behind the scenes. You're listening to other things, you know, to check in on people's lives. What was that? What was that big podcast you sent me before of the Radio One? Was it something about the Chris Tarrant show? Was it? Oh, there was it was a bit called George Michael or Prince it was called or something. Breaking Breakfast. It was the Chris Evans. Um, Chris Evans. So I, that's I, right, I sent you yeah. one one episode. It was um, Prince and yeah, George Michael. Yeah, because I know funny. you're a fan of two of them. Yeah, absolutely. But they spoke and when they were talking about in the intro on that bit, they said like, you know, it was it was the East Ender style of just listening to what was going on in our lives. Mm-hmm. And the I think drama I think that's what lives, yeah. that's it. And I think that's that's what that's what resonates with people around the smiles and royals. Like a couple of clients that listen to the podcast like that's great. She's not sure that that, that was brilliant. Like love mm-hmm. listening to that. It's that in in feeling a part of someone's life, you know, as we talk about our kids or we talk mm-hmm. about our jobs or we talk about the people in our lives. That it just develops. It develops with people. Like it develops mm. a rapport and a relationship with them. And I think that's why th- those episodes are, are, and these future episodes that will be just, just the smiles and royals will, will be so popular. Mm. Oh, definitely. And look, mm. as Alan was saying, you can get in touch 
hello at stmhpodcast.com where you can get us on the socials. Big shout to Rachel who got in touch on Messenger through the, the Facebook page. She said, hello guys, hope you are all well. I don't know whether or not you've covered a burnout in work and how it's important not to overload yourself. Thanking you so much from Rachel. Um, have we done burnout? Don't think we have. have we? No, we haven't done burnout. No, that's no. again, that's another topic from another angle. So, yep. fair play, Rachel. Definitely, definitely something to look into. Um, covered us. Yep. Yeah. So, burnout, stress. What goes with burnout? Was that a question, was it? Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because you're the guy <laughs> yeah, who answers these questions. Yeah, right. No, I thought me. it was just, you know, uh, a philosophical, you know, what, you know, we talk about all the things, what causes stress, what causes burnout. I didn't realize that the question, it was a direct question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, no, no it's it, definitely, look, we'll definitely. It wasn't rhetorical or anything. Oh, you know? uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, we'll look at that as a topic as well. We plenty, yeah. we plenty to work on. Because we have, we have stuff, covered you know? stress before as well, so. We have, um, we, we, you know, we had Michelle with... on when we had Michelle on the, from Vetspace Ireland, she spoke mm-hmm. about kind of workplace burnout and toxic environment, um, toxic workplace and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I think we would have covered it a little bit on, in that, but not as a standalone, not as a standalone subject. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Um, mm. So there you go. You want to get in touch? We'd love to hear from you. Email us Absolutely. or get us on the socials and um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, smiles and Royals. Smiles and the Royals. I think I went first last week. What, what, what have you got? Mm. Hit me up there. What do you want? Let's give you a Royal. Um, with all the oh, nonsense. Fucking straight in there, no kissing. <laughs> with all the nonsense that's happening mm. over in um, Ukraine. Ukraine? <laughs> that one it, glass of wine's gone to your head, man. <laughs> well, it, it's gone. <laughs> to your head <laughs> um, yeah no look one thing that really um, you know, really occurred to me was how we rely so much on other countries you know I in, know where you're going with this in Ireland you know obviously we see the, the price of uh, fuel going up the price of um, oil um, mm. the cost of living going up like it, it, it's just incredible the way smallest thing we could depend on coming from a country halfway around the world you know mm-hmm. that could just you know um turn your lives upside down i mean obviously with uh with the the cost of petrol and diesel and that just skyrocketing it was just absolutely mind-blowing you know Overnight. have we learned nothing in this country <laughs> over the last number of years like the lack of self-sustainability is unreal yeah you know, yeah. but I'm not talking about only the likes of petrol and diesel and stuff like that, but mm. small ingredients that we depend on, you know, grain, you know, that, yeah. you know, we grow here, but, um, you know, we don't, we probably don't buy them locally. You know, we mm-hmm. ship them off to other countries and other countries ship them in, you know, our gas, where's our gas center? Our gas is sent elsewhere. You know, mm-hmm. we're powering electricity here to sell it to the UK. You know, um, just talk of uh, a scheme to take water from the Shannon and bring it all the way up to Dublin, despite Dublin being beside a sea. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it's just Jesus. Like it's yeah. sometimes it's, it's, it's I think we were a... better off two hundred years ago living off the land. A hundred years ago, man, a hundred years ago we were still living off the land. Mm. <laughs> we're, not, we're not that far out of it, but it's, it's not just the petrol and diesel. It's who was it? Board gas. They put their prices up mm-hmm. um, during the week. Thirty so percent or something was. Yeah, forty percent. Forty percent. A client had a great one there the other day. You know, a lot of um, 
a, a lot of the energy supply is wind generated yeah. you know, from ver- for various suppliers and the client heard, heard a very good one I was like price of the wind hasn't gone up how was the fucking cost of how was that going up mm. <laughs> you know where's the justification for that one yeah you know and these are profits these are companies making big big profits at a time when people are on their fucking knees yeah people I, you know, I remember reading a comment online someone someone was in cabin working in Dublin can't afford they can't afford to drive yeah. to work yeah Mm-hmm. to okay. pay the, for the fucking fuel to go in the car to drive to work if you're driving let's say you work an hour from where you live where in mm. Ireland it's reasonable enough to commute an hour to drive an hour mm. and drive an hour home yet, so two yeah. hours a day you're talking 20 euros a day <sighs> worth of travel now that's not including tolls or anything like that as well if you go mm. through the motorways you might be throwing money into a toll bucket as well but 20 quid a day Monday to Friday yeah. 100 euro a week 400 euro a month Amazing, you know. Fill my car, fill my car twice during the week. A lot of traveling, fill my car 207 euros in a week. Fill in a twice, week, like. fill it twice out uh, airport, Dublin, different runs, and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. The place I filled it on Monday morning, it was 20 cent a liter dearer on Thursday. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> absolute disgrace. Like. Them. I paid two. Two euro eight cent a liter for diesel, and I had to pay it because I was on the way home. The needle was on the red. The car mm. was screaming at me. It needed diesel, not literally, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But um, feed me. <laughs> I. It was the closest garage to me, so I had to pull in and get it. And then you know, and then I got home and I seen the price of diesel. I was like one nine nine. I thought ah. Even looking at one nine nine now, you're going. That's a. Real I price. know, yeah. You know what I mean. You see something <laughs> now is like one eighty seven. Jesus, only one eighty seven. Yeah. <laughs> it was one one sixty, one forty, one fifty. Mm. You know, it's yeah. That's yeah, absolutely disgrace. And then before the government were cutting ex excise on it or something, we were supposed to get fifteen cent and twenty cent off per mm-hmm. liter, ten cent, and Drop then in the ocean, yeah. Then the state, then the petrol fuel stations just put the price up before, yeah, before the drop. 15, it. 20 cent, yeah, yeah, absolute price gouging, yeah. like absolute Horrific. disgrace. Mm. Absolute disgrace. That's my bloody royal, and I'm sure you're getting a lot of it this week as well in your practice. You know, man, people are worried, man. People are mm. fucking people are struggling to live. You know, it's, oh, that, you know, you're you're driving to work just to pay for the fuel to drive to work. Mm, yeah, people that are working just to pay for childcare, you know, it's yeah, horrendous experience for people. Like, oh, absolutely, I find it myself as well. I'm kind of following the kids around, turning off lights after them. Go, you don't need that light. You don't need it. You're gone. Open the curtains. You're <laughs> fine. You know, let yeah. in that light. That light for nothing. That's free out there. <laughs> Open up the curtain to be grand. Yeah. Um, heat. We don't need heat. You're grand. Stick on the woolly jammies. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, You'd be grand, but, uh, yeah. So, you, you, but no, I jest obviously. But you do find yourself kind of going, "Hold on, where can we cut back here?" You know, mm-hmm. can we save on? But to be honest, here? man, you know, I've I, I've always done that. I've always been very environmentally conscious, like, and I've always just you know, I've always just done the basics, like like that. I would from here me on, I'll throw a hoodie on something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it's not sustainable. It's just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scary. Absolutely scary. Yeah. But um, there you go. Anyway, Pretty hit me so. with a rile. 
It's a bit of royal. Do I have? Oh, they're, they're, they're kind of... This, 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 this week's topics is very much around parenting. Because uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of my smiles and a lot of my smiles and royals are on, on, on parenting. Um, not so much a not so much a royal again, not not an angry royal, but definitely definitely not a smile. I had a parenting fail last week, um, <laughs> with James. We uh, I was in Canterbury, went to Canterbury, and it was just really cool shop that sells loads of Harry Potter stuff. I went in there, and there was a, a, a refillable water bottle. I was like, oh, that, that'll be handy for him. And then, you know, can attach onto a school bag and stuff like that. It's a Harry Potter one. But it comes with markers so you can color it in yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, I picked it. Aside. He's not expecting anything. But I'll, I'll pick it up for him just as, a, just as a little treat. So we were out for dinner, picked him up from school. We would go out for lunch uh, every day. When, or the day that I pick him up from school, we'd say, right, where are we going? And we'll go, we go out to eat. So it's a treat, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Appreciate it. And we're sitting there and he said something. I was like, oh, I said, I forgot. I said, I got you, I got you a little treat. And I was over with Didi. And I was like, oh, what's he got? And I told him, and he's like, is that it? I was like, it's a present. That's, that's, that's plenty enough. Like, that's, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't have to get you anything at all. So, but he wasn't, he wasn't impressed with this water bottle anyway. <laughs> so we're walking out of, we're walking out of Square. I was like, oh, I forgot. I said, I promised you last week, it was World Book Day. I said, I promise you, I'll bring into Eason's and you can pick out whatever book you want. Oh, did you get your one euro fifty discount? No, no, I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't even know about. Oh, they were handing out in all the schools. Oh, all oh, right. No, you well, I brought, brought them into Easton's anyway. Yeah. Oh no, no, <laughs> <laughs> didn't need it, man. Wait, wait till you find out why I didn't need it. <laughs> we go in. I say, you know, what do you want? And he's got a lip on him. You know, he's having a bit of a mope. <laughs> and I was like, is it only a book? I was like, yeah, it's only a book. I said, it's you know, it's important to read. Like you know, it's, this is this is very important. This is one of the most important things. You can do so, you know. Yeah, you can pick out whatever book you want. And he's having a bit of a sulk, and he didn't want the book. I said, like, "Well, I said, you know, this is your chance. You pick out a book. Didn't want one. I said, right, you know, get one." So I said, "Well, that I said that backfired on you, didn't it? Because <laughs> you could have had you could have had any book you wanted." I said, "I got you, uh, I got you a gift. You didn't want that, so you know, you, you, unfortunately, you now you're gonna have to you're gonna have to learn a lesson the hard way." And it's like you've got you've gotten too much. That's the problem. I said, but you'll appreciate it now when you're when you're not getting them, you know, you're not getting treats and gifts just for the sake mm-hmm. of getting them. And um, so it was a bit of a parenting fail because it's like, well, you know, I created that. You know, he's 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 a brilliant kid. He's a wonderful kid, and you know, I'm in a position that I can you know buy him stuff. You know, I will not, you know, not willy nilly necessarily, but you know, treat him. Mm-hmm. Um, single dad don't get a lot of time with him you know so it's and it's and it's usually considerate gifts and stuff it's stuff we can play together and, and stuff like that so that was me fail and that was it was a sort of humbling moment that you know it's kind of like yeah he, he just gets just getting too much he just doesn't appreciate it. Um, so you think you've spoiled him appreciate it next a little bit and I wouldn't say I wouldn't say excessively so mm-hmm. but he's just he, just got enough to not appreciate getting something. Okay. Same with pick out whatever book you want. Yeah. You know, I was like, well, all right, grants up. You shot yourself in the foot. <laughs> Unfortunately, now you're not getting, you're not getting any book. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it'll be a little bit of a wake up call. But as I said, I, I created it. So that's, mm. that's, that's on me. Um, when well intentioned, 
Um, and you know, and I say it to parents the whole time, like you can't meet your child's every needs because they can't cope with disappointment. Um, and he needs to learn to be, to be disappointed, <laughs> not maliciously, mm. but just, well, appreciate what you get because, yeah. you know, there's plenty of kids that, that don't get it. I, I never got it. I'm sure you didn't, you weren't treated and brought out for something to eat, um, mm-hmm. regularly. So, um, less, lesson learned on, on that front, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you say, you want your be- you want the best for your kids and you do the best for your kids and you try and make sure that they have everything they need. But at the same time, you could be creating a bit of a monster in a way, you know, that, oh, I know I can get whatever I want because mommy buys it or daddy buys it or mommy and daddy. Buys yeah, it. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that, but, that's the thing with him is that he's never he's never been like that. Mm. And that's why he gets stuff. You know, he's a brilliant kid and he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't ask really for stuff like you know mm. and um that's why you know that's why i would you know he mm-hmm. wouldn't be a selfish kid he wouldn't be generally ungrateful yeah just that day from now was <laughs> it was a, it was a bit of a wake-up call for for, for, yeah. for both of us so but it's important know, look, to we'll never, we'll never get it right all the time no that's it exactly and it, it's important he sees you not getting it right all the time because i did read somewhere that it's important to mimic what happens in the world in your house Mm. You know, your house shouldn't mm. be this place, this haven where you get away with everything all the time and you're you're absolutely well, you just use the word spoilt. Um yeah. but uh and mommy and daddy will always dig you out of trouble. I mean, you know, you need to make your household, I suppose, a reflection of what goes on. So the kids know how mm. to how to deal with situations in school, when they get older in college, even older in work, you know. Um you know what I'm saying? You don't you know, you, you don't have this perfect environment at home. And yeah, I think it's important yeah. for kids as well to see, as you oh, said. absolutely. It's important for kids to see that you're not perfect. And it's mm. important. I know parents have a habit of saying, um, you know, uh, do it because I said so. Or, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I am I make the rules, blah, blah, blah. And I'm never wrong. You know, and when the kids come back with something, mm. and even if you are wrong, you'll kind of backtrack a little bit and go, yeah, well, look, do as I say, not as I do kind of stuff but i think it's important <laughs> for parents to say you know something and i've done it myself on a few occasions you know something i was wrong i was wrong and i'm sorry mm. i'm mm. sorry i was wrong i so you know said that to parents the whole time yeah you, you yeah i told you to put on your shoes okay and i went a mistake put on your shoes you have your shoes yeah. on well i'm not gonna say well yeah. where's your coat you know i'm gonna say mm. sorry i didn't realize sorry i daddy made a mistake sorry I didn't yeah. see you had your shoes on. Okay, come on. Yeah. Can you get your coat and hat? We'll head on. You know what I mean? So I think they I need client, to see that you're you're not perfect. I had a client a couple of years ago and there was a lot of problems with the marriage and stuff like that and he'd had a lot of anger issues and he came into work, he came into therapy, did, did some good work and there was a conversation one of the kids, one of the older kids, I think it was probably about 11, 12, 13, that, that kind of age, uh, who was getting quite angry and he was getting quite angry obviously because of everything that was going on at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and the client was kind of getting on to me, you know, it's not okay. I said, yeah, but you used to, you used to always do this. And he's like, yeah, I did. But I've learned that's not the way to do things. Yeah. Brilliant. You know? And that's yeah. what I'm, that's what I'm working on now. And uh, that's why I emphasize when I was like, it's so, that's, that conversation is vitally important mm. that you can come along and go, yeah, I did it wrong. But now I'm learning that, well, that's not the way to do it. Yeah. And I can hold my hands up and go, yeah, I done fucked up. You know, that, 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 that's mm-hmm. on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want you to make the same mistake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because we do. We mimic our parents to a certain extent. 
Mm. You know, we think to ourselves, well, what would they do in this situation? You know what I mean? And, you know, I just say, like, how many times have people said, and I know you mentioned it before in the podcast, yeah, well, that's what my father did and didn't do me any harm. Oh, did yeah. it? <laughs> did it? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. You think? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's important. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about parenting with Richard. And mm. uh, we'll get, actually, we, we'll get him to give us a little bit of advice on that, um, you know, around addiction and how to talk to your kids and all that kind of stuff as well. So yeah, that'll, be, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, let's give you a smile. Uh, I went to see Neil Delamere last night. Yeah, you're on, your, you're on your comedy run I now. Am, the DOD, comedy, yeah. DOD last time. Neil yeah, Delamere this time. ND, yeah. Mm. Um, How was that? Yeah, I have to say, for anybody outside Ireland who does know Neil Delamere, is, he's very funny. He has to be one of Ireland's best comedians, easily. Mm. But one thing that struck me was, um, you know, it, it was laugh after laugh after laugh. He was excellent. And... How much of a, like taking comedy out of it, how much of a master of, of his craft he is and how much mm. work he has to put into it. You know what I mean? It looks like it's somebody coming out just talking mm. and being funny. But I was thinking about the, the pressure that has to that. be under him as well to be constantly funny. Yeah. This is his job. It's his yeah. livelihood. You know, it's how he makes his living. It's how mm. he has to pay his mortgage back, you know. Um <laughs> But the pressure that must be under people to do that, you know, to come up with an act and be constantly funny, you know, mm. it must be horrendous, to be honest with you, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's that's anyone that's skilled. Anyone that's skilled makes what they do look mm. easy. Yeah. But a master of his craft. I mean, yeah. he wasn't 10 yeah. seconds on stage and somebody tried heckling him and he knocked him down and they tried again <laughs> and he knocked him down again. Tried again one more time and he floored him. To the point that the audience just <laughs> cheered, and he went, "I've done this before, buddy. I've done this before." <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, oh, excellent, absolutely excellent. You know, just I was in awe of the whole thing. Now, to be honest with you, but more Brilliant. from a performance point of view, not more from like I laughed my fucking mm. ass off. Mm. But you know, I couldn't help but look at him from a performer point of view and go, "Wow, you know what great skill this dude has." You know, the work he puts in. Amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing. So definitely check him out if you've never seen him before. Neil Delamere, D-E-L-E-M-E-R-E, I think is how you spell Delamere. Mm. Um, so there you go, check him out. It's very, very funny. Uh, brilliant. I've, I've seen him loads of times, never seen a bad Neil Delamere gig. So that's uh, definitely one of my smiles. And even normality is one of my smiles. Just being able to walk up to oh, a yeah. bar and not have to put a mask on. <laughs> you know, to be able to mm. walk to a toilet and not have to put a mask To walk inside where it's warm and not put a mask on. You mm. know what I mean? To be able to stand in a group of people, stand around people. Like, you know, today's St. Patrick's Day as we record this. And, you know, I was at a parade uh, earlier on today that's so small that it has to ground twice. Which is which is cute in a way, you know, but um, you know, you're just looking around at people, people who aren't wearing masks, and you're seeing faces again. You're seeing people mm. you probably haven't seen in years because you didn't bloody recognize them. But you're seeing, you know, but you're standing beside people and you're going, "Wow, this is weird." You know, we've only we, mm. social distancing for two years, but how weird mm. does this feel? You know, it's just a, it was amazing, but like normality for me, is a, is a big smile. And let's hope it stays at that. Because I know numbers have gone up. Hospital numbers, ICU numbers have gone up as well. Because of COVID. <laughs> we'll just see how high they go up after this week, after Paddy's day. <laughs> but that's going to be the big test, you know. That'll be the acid test mm-hmm. for whether we got this right or wrong or whether we can cope with it. If we can cope with this, mm-hmm. we're good. 
I think we're all right. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So uh, normality, definitely, definitely, big smile. Smiling about being normal. Yeah, about just normal things, you know, <laughs> just normal, normal to walk. I told you we did that back quick, didn't I? Huh? I told you we did that back quick. I know. I I still haven't fully adapted. Like I'm still not mm. too far from a mask. I'm still like if I walked into a shop and somebody said to me, "Can you put on a mask?" Yeah, no problem. Mm. I'll go out and get one. You know, um, yeah. It's just I I haven't adapted fully back to it yet. I've I've appreciated it, but I'm not I'm not fully yeah, there yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I will be in a few weeks. You know, because I'm still walking in, going, "Fuck, I'm forgetting something." Shit, what is it? Am I doing something <laughs> illegal? Am I going to cause a scene by? <laughs> just standing here or doing nothing you know yeah. what I mean well, that's, that's the uncertainty of the system you know if, if it was consistent then it was like you know yeah, we know what to do yeah. you could go anywhere yeah and you wouldn't, exactly. you wouldn't care yeah. Yeah. but um, and uh, one more thing have you seen Encanto yet yes I watched it I watched it last week what um, do you think I didn't I wasn't getting to pay full attention to it so uh, I, I didn't I didn't get to absorb it Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah, so uh, Lin Manuel Miranda from Hamilton did the, did the music mm-hmm. for us. He did, mm-hmm. yeah. And I wouldn't mind actually. It was <laughs> because the kids are obsessed with it now. The soundtrack. So every time we get in the car, mm. can you play Encanto? Alexa, play Encanto, yeah. and we're listening to this. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, like, and actually, I seen like a four minute video of uh, of Lin talking about how he creates some music. Um, how he mm. breaks it down and everything, and he just really brings it all to life. And you go, wow, this is incredible. And I remember thinking to myself, I have to watch Hamilton. I have to mm. watch it and just you know get it from that point of view as well. From like, oh man, you love it. I'm telling you, I hope so. I will. I'll you'll watch get, it. You'll, yeah. When you can appreciate it for what one man did, and then you can appreciate all the hip hop references, and yeah, then you can yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. for just what a fucking story his life was. Mm. It's it's incredible. Yeah. That's yeah. that's that's your mission now for the before the next podcast. Go up and watch Hamilton. I'll try. So, I will uh, try my and, best. And let us know what you think. Yeah. Um but uh, no, like it, it's on all the time and the songs are just stuck in my bloody head. Although I don't mind they're stuck in my head because they're actually nice songs, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> and your one uh is it uh is it Stephanie Beatrice, is that her name? Oh no, Brooklyn nine nine. Yeah, yeah. Nine nine it, It's just hard to put her voice in Encanto to <laughs> is it it's Diaz in Brooklyn. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. and you go, nah, that can't be her, that can't be her." But she does a great job, like you know, it's. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So we don't talk about Bruno stuck in my head, <laughs> under pressure, or yeah, have to watch it. Head. I have to watch it again um, on my own and give it the give it the the, the attention it deserves. Yeah, oh, it's pretty good. I really enjoy it now, but enjoying mm. the soundtrack as I pretty much know it backwards now at this stage. So it's good. <laughs> Family Madrigal, the full whack. You know what I mean? <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, so uh, there you go. Lots, so of, that, lots of smiles. There are my smiles for this week. Mm-mm. What about yourself? Excellent. Got some smiles. Got some got lots, lots of smiles. And I got, got, I suppose, one big one. And uh, <laughs> I was going to segue from the last one of being able to, you know, kind of hold your hands up and go, okay, you know, conversations need to be had, mistakes need to be made. You know, um, uh, myself and Ashing are, are back together and it was a conversation of going, you know, what are you going to tell people? Like, you know, what are you going to say in the podcast? And I was like, you know, it's embarrassing. I was like, it's not embarrassing. It's, you know, because what it shows is the ability to have a mature conversation and that's mm. that space that we had to go, okay, yeah, we needed that. We needed that little bit of space. We needed to have some tough conversations. We needed to sort 
some things out and you know to be able to come back then and go yeah oh yeah we're in a good place we we sort that out so, you know I'd, I'd actually had people contact me privately people that listen to the podcast saying you know sorry to hear oh wow sorry to hear you yeah, yeah you broke up and it's you know i was like wow you know and so of course i'm back in a long distance relationship when fucking fuel prices are through the roof <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like revenge to me, you know. That, that sounds like so that's revenge. why I haven't watched Encanto because I was I was too busy entertaining Delilah. I was too busy entertaining the two year old to, to take it in. I was like, "Oh, put on Encanto there." So I was like, "I haven't watched it because mm. I was I was playing with I was playing with the kid." Like, um, so yeah, so that's that's I suppose that's that's some big news. And I was like, "Oh, how how do I manage this?" I was like, mm. you "Fucking hold your hands up and go, yeah, look, we had some we had some problems and we had some some tough conversations and we and we worked through that stuff and." You know, you, you come back then and you, you repair, you rupture, and then you repair. So mm. that that space did us did us very good, and it's good you know stuff. it's nice to be able to you know to be able to say yeah, we had some tough we had some tough discussions that that needed to be had, and you know we we worked through it. So mm. everyone's like, oh Jesus, well, you know, so how how are you managing that? I was like, yeah, we're fucking managing good, we're managing good, good because we had the we had the conversation and. Part of that, you know, segueing into segueing into my other smile was uh, as I was over with my daughter, having a discussion with her and telling her the stuff was there, and she's giving me relationship advice. <laughs> I was like, you know, this is meant to be the other way around, yeah. And but you know, I was sitting there and I was actually in awe. You know, I was sitting there having a drink and I was looking at her, going, "You've got a fucking such a good head on your shoulders. You, you know, you're really, you're talking some serious sense here, like." Brilliant, and uh, and I was just sitting there, and I was, I was just in awe. Mm. And she was talking, about, yeah, but she look at me, you know. We went from living in the flat, and you know, studying the job, and lockdown, and kids, and stuff like this. And she's like, yeah, look at me, and I'm fucking happy. I'm like, are you happy? She's like, yeah, I'm happy. I was like, there it is. Mm. That's it. That's all you want. That's all you Job want done. for your kids, yeah. regardless of age, mm. is for them to be able to go. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. And I just, I just sat there looking at her, going, "Wow, you know, fucking did a pretty good job." I think, That's I think you, say, you have to pre- take some did a credit pretty for good that. job there, yeah. yeah. But you know, not can't can't discount her own her own personality. But mm-hmm. you know, when you just hear someone talk, and I was like, "Fucking hell, wow!" Mm. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful moment, I have to say, just to be able to sit there and listen to her and. Oh, now you're talking some good fucking sense. You got your, <laughs> your head is good. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And how are you? So that was, how am I? Mm. In general? Yeah, well, just after, you know, getting back with Ashley. Oh, yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, because so many people are going like, oh, it's fucking great. You know, he's really, he's really worked well together. Like, mm. people were shocked. You know, and, you know, he's really bounced well off each other and, you know, he's had good, you know, good crack there together and, mm. Um, and it's good, you know. It's and it's nice to be able to. It's nice to come back from something like that. Yeah. Um, and you know the the importance of communication and um, having the difficult conversations, and both being able to go, yeah, look, I need to work on my shit. Yeah, I need to work on my shit, and mm. both of us being being prepared to do that. So, um, it's a nice thing. If only more couples did that, you know, think about the the amount of happy relationships that could be forged, the amount of kids that could have been here as a result of 
of mm. people talking and being honest and, mm. you know, going through that. Well, there'll, be, there'll be no more kids because we're back together. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you get the snippy snip, man. <laughs> I've done my bit for the fucking population. Know, I've done my depends, bit for the species. Did you, did you get your... Did, did you get your Groupon coupon for that, or uh, no, you know, do you know it was done right? Done, you know it was done right. Are you sure? Oh no, no, it was done fucking. Yeah, no, it was did done. Did the credit right. card yeah, details done. go through? Because if they didn't go through, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was last year. That, that, that was that was last year. I had that, had that done. Mm. Yeah. No, so I I done my bit for the fucking species, man. I've done my bit. Job done. <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 was the segue from you know being able to hold your hands up and admit. Mm. You know, you made a mistake, and being able to come on the podcast and go, "Yeah, look, you know, spoke, yeah, a few weeks, not so long ago, spoke about being broken up, and now now we're back together because a lot a lot changed in that time." And talking, having that conversation with Adina, and you know, listening to her, and just how grounded she is, and how such a good good head she has on her shoulders. And then my other my other one is. Uh, our former host, Cameron, passed the driving test. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, well done, Cammy. Yeah, good man, Cammy. Oh, I was fucking delighted for him. I went down to, went down to Tullamore. Well done, Cammy. Good man, Cammy. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. yeah. Fair play to you. Well done. <laughs> well done. Well Left done. right well over done. the shoulder. There yeah, we go. So, Mm. <laughs> yeah, so uh, delighted for him. There's a fucking lot of pressure, man. It's a lot of pressure. Remember doing driving test? I know it's it was fucking, horrific. It's nerve wracking, like. nerve wracking stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, nearly like doing the yeah. leans at the end. I I said to your man after I after I passed the first time, I said to your man, I was I had a good chat with your man after. I said I would do the fucking leaving at again quicker than I would sit that mm. way. He said that's what we want. He said we want just stress. We want under pressure. So we know you can you can you can manage it. Well, um, the stress and pressure is the difference between paying four thousand a euro, four thousand euro a year <laughs> on car insurance, yeah. or about one thousand five hundred euro. So that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a, that it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the financial <laughs> pressure of it. Yeah. So delighted for him. You know, mm, took him out for Supermax well then as a treat. <laughs> Supermax, lovely. <laughs> yeah. Who drove? Yeah. Who drove? Yeah. Oh, he drove. She had to oh, drive down. So I was well. I drove to meet him in Port Arlington, and then he needed a company <laughs> driver down to the down to the test. Um, so he's driving around the place now. No hassles at all. Lovely. No fucking no no worries of you know getting stopped or anything like that. So. Cruising. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So big big week on the parenting front. Parenting fail, and then some some big parenting wins hmm. for me. And I suppose as we as we speak about parenting, probably no better time than to throw over to Richard. Now, this week, we are straight talking the addicted child, and we're absolutely delighted to have with us today the author of a new book coming out called A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse, Mr. Richard Capriola. Richard, how are you? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you. And, and Alan, thank you so much for inviting me to the program to talk about this topic of adolescent substance abuse uh, yep. uh, that affects so many families around the world. Absolutely. You're very welcome, Richard. And uh, just before we get into it, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, I actually spent over three decades working in the field of education as a uh, state-level school administrator. And then as I uh, moved away from that, retired from that career, I, uh, I, I transitioned over into working in mental health. 
and uh, and substance abuse counseling. Um, and I remained in, in the Midwest uh, uh, until I accepted a position at Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, which is a large psychiatric hospital that serves both adolescents and adults. And I worked at Menninger Clinic for over a decade. Uh, and I was treating both adolescents and adults. And so many times I would sit across from a family and I would go through their child's history of using a substance, you know, when they began, how early they began, what they were using, how often they were using, and give them a diagnosis of a substance use disorder. And, and they would look across at me and they would say, I had no idea this was going on. Or if they did suspect their child was using a substance, they might say, I sort of knew something was going on, but I didn't know it was this bad. Um, and these are good parents. These are good parents doing the best job that they can. They missed the warning signs because nobody told them what to look for. They had no idea what to look for. Um, and, and like so many parents, they don't want to believe that their child ever is going to get involved in substances. That can't happen to my child. That happens to other children. Uh, so they were really caught off guard and surprised. So when I retired from Menninger Clinic, I wanted to write this book. It's called The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. I kept it to about 100 pages because parents are busy. They don't have time to read volumes of information on this. So I kept it to about 100 pages, but put in a lot of information that I hope uh, parents can, uh, can benefit from. After reading the book, uh, feel uh, less fearful, less afraid, and more confident that if they have to tackle this subject, uh, they, they feel as if they're better prepared to do so. That was my goal in writing it. So hopefully parents who read it will be empowered to, uh, to feel less afraid and more confident about this issue. You were saying there a minute ago, Richard, that people are always saying, oh, it wouldn't be my child. Yeah. Is it a common thing? It is a common thing. I, I think, you know, we all don't like to think that our children mm. would get captured by alcohol or drugs. That happens to other children. So we, we live in a world where we, we don't necessarily think it can happen to our child, but but it you know, every child is vulnerable to, to being captured by alcohol or drugs. Every child. There is no child that's totally protected. There's protective environments, but no child is totally protected. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what your level of income is. It doesn't matter what church you may go to. And it doesn't matter what school you send your child to. Every child is vulnerable to becoming captured by alcohol or drugs. No child is, is totally protected. Every child is vulnerable. And I say that not to make parents feel paranoid about this subject, but to help them to understand that the more knowledge they have about adolescent substance abuse, the more that they know about it, the, hopefully the more confident that they'll, they'll feel that if, if they have to face this, they feel better prepared to do so. Um, what are the warning signs, Richard? What should parents look out for if they suspect, or even if they don't suspect, their kids yeah, are... and that's just as important too, hmm. Peter. Uh, you know, maybe your child is a pre-teenager. Maybe they're very young. Um, you know, it's important for you as a parent to know these warning signs, to, to pay attention to them. In my book, I have warning signs for a child that might be using marijuana. I have different warning signs for a child that might be drinking alcohol. Uh, 
I have warning signs for a child that might be developing an eating disorder or who might be self-harming themselves because sometimes, not always, but sometimes a child will be developing an eating disorder or self-harming and also using a substance. So you need to know what those warning signs are as well. As a general rule, what I say to parents is pay attention to the changes you see in your child. You know your child better than anyone. Mm -hmm. So pay attention to the changes that you see. Don't assume that the changes you're observing are just normal adolescent acting out behaviors. They may very well be that, but they also might be an indicator that there's something else going on underneath the surface that you need to be aware of or, and, and, and to check into. Some examples would be a child whose grades are starting to decline, uh, a child who used to participate in sports and no longer shows any interest or wants to participate in sports, a child who gets into disciplinary problems repeatedly at school, uh, a child who used to introduce you to your their friends, you knew who their friends were, you might have even known who their family were, members were, becomes very secretive of who their friends are and very secretive about where they've been. Uh, and then, of course, if you uh, get any strange odors coming out of the child's room or you, or you identify or find any paraphernalia, then obviously those are warning signs too. Now, many of these warning signs might come and go quickly, in which case it's probably not too concerning. But if they tend to linger for a period of time, or you begin to see more and more and more of the warning signs, then I think that's a red flag to be concerned and, and maybe get some assessments done and some professional advice as to what's going on. Richard, this is probably, it's probably more of a kind of chicken or an egg kind of conversation, but is it a case that those behavioral changes come first and then the addiction and as in the the addiction is there to maybe deal with another issue that's there or that the addiction is there or the substance abuse is there and then the behaviors come i mean as it's well, that raises a very important question that I think parents uh, and many people um, miss. And that is that for some children, not all children, but for some children, there might be an underlying psychological reason as to why that child is using a substance. In other words, they're using a substance to mm -hmm. medicate an underlying psychological issue. It might be anxiety, it might be depression, it might be some type of trauma, it might be an emerging personality mm -hmm. disorder. Many of the kids that I worked with when I was at Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, that were smoking a lot of marijuana, when I asked them to help me understand why they were smoking so much marijuana, the number one answer that came back was, it helps me with my anxiety helps me with my anxiety. Mm -hmm. So for some kids, uh, there might be an underlying psychological reason that they're using a substance to medicate. And oftentimes that issue gets undiagnosed and untreated, which is unfortunate because if they have, if a child has both, which what we call dual mm -hmm. diagnosis, uh, when a child has both, you have to treat both issues. I can't treat just the marijuana and ignore the anxiety. 
Okay, uh, because the child's going to continue to medicate with, with some substance. If it's not marijuana, it might be something else. So in cases where an assessment shows that a child has a dual diagnosis as both a substance use disorder and an underlying mental health issue, it's really important that both get diagnosed and treated. You were, you were in the, the education system before you went into the mental health system. Richard, have you seen a change? Is there a change in the drug use or the drugs of choice in in teens these days? No, uh, I mean, aside from the fact that, um, that, that teenagers are still attracted to alcohol and marijuana, mm. those are the two primary two most easily accessible that, that the majority of teens use. Yes. Uh, there is some exposure and some use of the harder core drugs like cocaine and, and prescription drugs and things like Adderall and, um, and, and some of the other ones, um, some some use of the heavier drugs like uh, uh, cocaine and and over-the-counter prescription or and prescription medications, but primarily it's alcohol and marijuana. But what we did notice was prior to the pandemic, there was a surge, there was a dramatic increase in teenagers who were vaping. Mm. Uh, vaping uh, is where they take a substance like nicotine or marijuana, put it into an instrument, turn it into a vapor, and inhale it. That's well, in the last three years, at least in this country, in the United States, prior to the pandemic, there was a surge in teenagers turning to vaping. The, the numbers were skyrocketing. Um, but what we noticed was during the pandemic year, adolescent substance abuse declined significantly. And I think that's because kids mm. were at home. They were isolated away from their friends and their peer groups and from school, and their substance use declined. Now that they're coming out of the pandemic, we'll know in about a year if that substance use rebounded and we're starting to see it go back up again. They're back out in the world and they've got access to these things again. Exactly. And you mentioned, I think you mentioned availability. Mm. There, there's two things that drive teenagers adolescents using substances. One is the availability issue that you mentioned. These kids know that the drugs are available and that they're easy to get. For example, when we ask high school seniors, how easy is it for you to get marijuana? 85% of them tell us it's no big deal. 90% of them tell us it's no big deal to find alcohol. So availability is one major issue that drives teen substance abuse, adolescent substance abuse. The other issue is risk of harmfulness. So the drugs are readily available. These kids don't think they're harmful. Mm. So that's risk of harm. The, the, the risk uh, is, is very low. When we ask teenagers, how harmful do you think it is to smoke marijuana almost every day? Only 22% tell us they think that's harmful. Only 22%. So you've got the drugs readily available. They know where to get them. And they don't think they're harmful. And that, that's why we see the drug use that we do. This is, this is, what do you think of that sound to, Richard? Is that down to a lack of education? Absolutely, it's a lack of education. We're still hung up on this old way of, of, of bringing into the education system the just say no approach. Mm -hmm. And that never has worked and it never will work. You know, uh, you know it doesn't do any good as a counselor, uh, as an addictions counselor. It did me no good to tell these teenagers that, that 
that the drugs were bad, that the drugs were illegal, that if they kept using them, they were going to drop out of school or might or might not be able to get a job or get into college. They didn't believe any of that stuff. But what did they believe? What captured their attention was a neuroscience approach. They were curious about their brain. They were curious about how their brain mm. works. So I would teach them about the brain. I would show them the different areas of the brain and what the areas of the brain did. You know, we have an area that helps us speak. We have an area that helps us walk. We have an area that helps us remember things. And then I would show them where marijuana attached itself to the brain. And right away they saw, aha, this makes sense. Now I know why my thinking is not as clear as I wanted I like it to be. Now I know why my memory is not so good. Now I know why I stumble around sometimes when I'm smoking weed. The neuroscience approach is what captures teenagers' mm. attention. Uh, the just say no approach, don't do it, it's bad for you. Nah, they don't care about that. They do care about their brain and how it affects their brain. Well, I think uh, uh, it was Nancy Reagan that came up with the just say no, I think, and Reagan then brought in the yeah. war on drugs. I think all evidence and all research yeah. has shown <laughs> that is not a, it's not a battle that's, or a war we've that's won. That's a miserable yeah. failure. <laughs> that's a miserable failure. I, I, I'm, uh, and, and, sorry, and, go ahead. And it should be incorporated within the curriculum of schools mm. too. You know, starting in the elementary grades, teaching kids about the brain and the importance of the brain, and then introducing how drugs affect the brain. They might be more interested in that than just saying. I'm, I'm coming again with, the, with, with another awkward question, Richard. I'm just interested and curious about your work on the, in the psychiatric side of it. And again, the chicken or an egg thing of how many people were self-medicating to deal with a psychiatric issue and then the amount of people that were had psychiatric issues as a result of substance abuse. I know we've, you know, there's a lot of research around and we did an episode on cannabis induced psychosis and the impact of cannabis on the, on the adolescent brain and, yeah. you know, the, the, the dramatic increase in terms of schizophrenia in later life, you know, when there's been heavy, yeah. heavy cannabis use in, in adolescence as the, as the brain is developing. And, and for adults, mm. too. I, you know, I, I, I worked with a number of adults who were diagnosed with schizophrenia. Um, and, and the one thing that, that, that I would commonly tell them is, you know, you have this diagnosis of schizophrenia or you have a thought disorder. Um, if you are continuing to smoke marijuana, it's like playing Russian roulette with your brain. I don't know when the gun's going to go off, but I'm pretty sure it's going to mm. go off and you're going to go into another psychotic event. So for those people who have had any type of uh, psychotic event, any type of schizophrenia, any type of thought disorder, marijuana is like throwing gasoline onto mm. the fire. It just ignites it. Um, as far as adolescence, you know, Many of the kids that I saw who were smoking marijuana, they were very bright kids. Their, their, their IQs were above average to superior. So these are bright kids. But they were smoking a boatload of marijuana. And when the psychological and the neuropsychological tests came back on these kids, what I noticed was their short-term memory was impaired. Um, the, the, their, their motivation was impaired. Uh, and the processing speed of their brain was below average. So, you know, as parents, 
uh, and adults, we may not see those subtle changes going on in the in the teenage brain, but but we need to remember that the teenage brain is in the process of developing. Our brains don't get developed till we're around 24, mm. 25. So when we start to introduce substances to a young developing brain, we run the risk of doing some damage. We may not see that damage. It may not be readily available, uh, but 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 it's probably going on uh, and may affect that child as they move into adulthood. So, Richard, I suppose as a parent, if you you catch your children in the act or you discover them using drugs, you yeah. barge into the, into the room, you shout <laughs> and you scream at them, you know, you tell them. Yeah. You know, everything they're doing is wrong and you, you kind of you get very forceful as well yeah. in terms of you'll tell them you're a disgrace, you're this, that and the other, you're, you know, you're ashamed of them and all this kind of stuff. I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume you shouldn't do that. <laughs> that's not really going out on a limb. <laughs> that's, that's pretty well summarizing the way I think most parents mm. would react to it. And, and I think it comes from mm. fear. You know, okay. I, I think parents are legitimately scared. You know, they imagine the worst. So they want to protect their child. And unfortunately, they see protection as basically doing exactly what you said, yelling at the child, restricting the child, grounding the child, threatening the child. And, and generally what that does is pulls the child away. They become defensive. They become angry. Uh, so you're defeating mm. your entire purpose. What I suggest parents do the first thing that they should do is have a conversation with their child, not do what we just talked about with the threatening and the punishing and the yelling and the screaming, but have a conversation with the child. And by that, I mean, um, come from the conversation with an inquiring point of view. You know, I'm observing these behaviors. Can you help me understand why I'm seeing them? I noticed this or I noticed that. Can you help me understand why I'm so concerned about this? And see if the child will interact with you. Now, that's likely to be a discussion that's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to blow up and the child's going to become argumentative and angry and defensive, or it might go the other way and you learn some things. But regardless of how that first discussion goes, if you're still concerned as a parent, you need to move to the next stage, which is get the assessments and the tests done that I recommend in my book so that you can get some professional input and some professional advice and a diagnosis and a treatment plan. The other thing I would say to parents parents is every parent is capable of learning and practicing good listening skills. And by that, I mean, we're pretty good at listening to each other's words so that when we talk to our kids, we're, we're very good at hearing their words. We're not so good at hearing the feelings behind those words. And that's a skill that every practice, every parent can practice and learn so that when we're talking to our children, we're not just hearing the words, we're, we're, we're hearing and reflecting back the feelings that we think we hear so that, that child can tell us whether or not we're hearing those feelings correctly. But when we can do that and we can practice doing that, it, it builds a tremendous communication channel with our children that builds trust. I suppose a, a natural part of, of adolescence, Richard, is curiosity, novelty, novelty seeking, um, I mean, it's it's no coincidence, I would say, that the majority of people maybe experiment in adolescence, you know, unless there's some maybe severe trauma or severe neglect, 
you're not going to get too many children, perhaps under the age of ten, that are experimenting with with drink or drugs. It no. it, it seems a fairly natural age that you know the majority of teenagers are maybe going to try a joint or have a drink or something like that where where does that tip from i suppose natural curiosity to okay there's there's a bigger problem here yeah i i you know every child who gets curious about a drug or wants to experiment with a drug um is at risk of, of getting carried away with that drug. You know, it's very rare, I think, that we would find a kid who tries marijuana and then says, oh, yuck, this is horrible. I never want to do this again. It, it probably mm-hmm. happens from time to time. But because they're hanging around with peers that have probably introduced them to the drug and are continuing to use the drug, there's a certain amount of social pressure that goes around with this too. So I think the risk is any substance use, any substance use runs the risk of getting out of hand very quickly. Now, the child may end up occasionally smoking marijuana and then it gets to more frequently and then it gets to regular, or it may open the door to that child being introduced to other types of drugs. Mm. So catching that, and I think, you know, what Peter was saying in terms of the handling, I mean, that's having that, I suppose, offensive confrontation with the child around the drug use. All that's going to teach them to do is not get caught. <laughs> it's not going to stop it's them. It's going to teach them that they, yeah. and, and it's also going to teach them that it's probably not a good idea to tell mm. you about anything. <laughs> you know, and to sort of go undercover if you're going to continue to use the drug. And that's not what you want as a parent. What you want as a parent is to develop that trust so that you can have an open conversation with your child. Um, and, and ideally, that begins before they even get to the teenage years. Uh, but, but, but even not, uh, you know, even if your child's a teenager, you can begin to start to work on developing that relationship. Um, talk, to, talk to them about the brain. Talk to them about how they feel about drugs. Get, get, get their point of view. Uh, tell them your point of view and have a conversation. In the last 20 years, Richard, have you seen addiction change at all? Or is the fundamentals of addiction in adolescence still the same? I think the fundamentals are still the same. The drugs change, especially for adults. Uh, But for adolescents, for years and years, it's always been uh, leaning towards alcohol and marijuana. That's been true for years and years. The the marijuana has changed. It's it's much more Mm. stronger now than it was 15, 20, 30 years ago. But kids still are attracted to marijuana. Kids are still attracted to alcohol. Um, Some of the other harder core drugs sort of come and go, uh, you know, uh, and and they're experimenting with them sort of comes and goes. But it's never really been high percentages of adolescents that have been into hardcore drugs. Some of them do get captured by opiates. Uh, Some of them get captured by Mm. cocaine and some of the harder core drugs. But that's a very low percentage of teenagers that are using, using substances. Um, alcohol and marijuana and vaping now uh, tend to be the the drugs of, of their choice. So I suppose having having the I suppose priority of establishing a relationship with the child to be able to have the conversation with drugs of going look if you're using drugs come to me you know this it's a discussion we need to yeah. have don't be afraid to don't be afraid to talk to me about it that the child knows go look. 
you know, I had a, I had a few beers at a party last weekend or something like that. Of and I suppose teaching, I mean, particularly in Ireland, it's as as we record on St Patrick's Day, the day of all drinking. Um, you know that perhaps an acceptable and a respect for uh, alcohol or or cannabis, whatever it may be. That that needs to be there. That the child understands that this this is a substance that if you're going to use it, you need to you need to treat it with the respect that it that it deserves. You mm. need you, and you need to be aware of what the dangers mm. are. You need to know how to keep yourself safe. You need to know that, that that your parents are there for you regardless of what happens, and that if you have any concerns, you you, you feel comfortable talking to them about it. Ideally, the conversation will that you start to develop that relationship in the preteen years, and you carry it on through the teenage years as well. Um, the thing that I advise parents is, you know, just don't be paranoid about this topic. Don't be afraid of it. Learn as much as you can. Learn the warning signs. Know what to do if you find out your child is using a substance. Know what the treatment options are. Uh, and just feel more confident that as a parent, uh, you can deal with this if you have to. And after you have the conversation with your child, Richard, if they say to you, I need help for a substance abuse, what's the next step? That's going to be a very rare child that <laughs> says that. Uh, most of them are going to say, it's yeah. not a problem and I don't need any help and okay. go away. <laughs> uh, just about every child that... that how do you, how do you well, con- not convince them they're, um, they have a problem, but you know, how, do you, how do you talk them into getting help? You're probably not going to be able to talk them into getting mm. help because okay. number one, they don't think it's a problem. Okay. Number two, they look at you as being somebody who doesn't understand what's going on in the world and is trying to control them. Every child that I saw, every teenager that I saw uh, come into the hospital uh, came in there yelling and screaming and fighting and trying to bargain themselves away from it. But the parents held the ground. The parents said, no, this has gotten to the point where you have got to go into treatment. And when they got into treatment, you know, after a while, they settled in, they got engaged with the therapist, they got engaged with the groups, and and I saw a remarkable change take place in them. Uh, But as a parent, uh, it's your responsibility to make the decisions. You know, it it probably won't be the first time as a parent you heard your child say no to you. They probably (laughs) said no to you many times. So when you talk about (laughs) them going to treatment, it shouldn't be a surprise. They're going to tell you no. But but like so many other things that you believe as a parent have to be done, you do it anyway, regardless of whether the child agrees with you or not. You, you, you listen to them. You give them a chance to express their view. But ultimately, as the parent, the final decision is yours. You have to do what you know is best for yourself and for your family and for that child. Have you ever had a circumstance, Richard, where a child did go into uh, rehabilitation, but it didn't work. Um, yes. You know, unfortunately, relapse is a part of any mm. disease. A child will go into treatment. Uh, you know, they'll come out. They'll be able to maintain sobriety for a period of time and they'll relapse. 
um, and then they'll have to go perhaps back in into treatment. And I think that's particularly true where we have a child who has a dual diagnosis and we end up treating the alcohol or the drugs, but we don't treat the underlying mm-hmm. issue. So we put them into a drug abuse treatment program that focuses just on the drug abuse. They do really well in that program. They come out, but they relapse because they haven't gotten any treatment for the underlying psychiatric issue. And so, you know, I think, I think that, that involves a high degree of risk. If we don't treat both of the conditions at the same time, then that child, we're setting that child up for failure, in, in my opinion. Within the, I mean, you worked in that hospital environment, Richard, so you, you're probably seeing pr- some pretty severe cases. You know, this isn't just some some kid that's having a few beers at the weekend and so to, to bring them to see a therapist. Right. Um, I was just wondering if you could maybe, if there's a, a particular case that comes to mind or anything like that of, uh, I suppose, a, a clinical example um, that would give people an idea of perhaps what you would have dealt with within that environment. Well, uh, most of the kids that came into the hospital, as you can imagine, it, it had become a very serious problem for them and their families. And they tried multiple options to resolve the problem and nothing worked in many cases. It really became a life-threatening issue. The, the, the child was out of control, not necessarily just because of mm-hmm. the drugs, but maybe because of you know some underlying issue, maybe an anti-personality disorder, maybe an emerging personality disorder, maybe an emerging schizophrenia disorder. And the kid was just out of control, uh, not always due to drugs, but a combination of the two. Um, and I saw a lot of that. I saw a lot of emerging personality disorders and emerging schizophrenia disorders among young people young people. Uh, I think one of the saddest cases I saw was a young teenage girl. She was 17 years old who came into the hospital and her boyfriend had, had, had gotten her addicted to uh, heroin um, and she was pregnant. Um, now, there wasn't much we could do for her. We were able to stabilize her, uh, but because she was pregnant, uh, we needed to refer her to a longer-term treatment program that specialized in dual diagnosis, and that's what we did. That was probably one of the saddest cases that I've that I've seen. Outside um, alcohol and drugs, are there other substances that are abused by teenagers? There are, but the percentages are very low. It's probably less than 5%. Okay. Uh, and, and there is some abuse of, of, of um, drugs like Adderall and Ritalin that are prescribed for to kids for mm. attention deficit disorder. They will sell their own drugs. Um, there is uh, some abuse of, of, of drugs like cocaine, um, some abuse of over-the-counter medications like cough medicines that they will use to, uh, to, to use uh, to mm. get high. Uh, but those percentages in comparison to alcohol and marijuana are really very low. So the majority of substances are alcohol and marijuana? or Alcohol, weed. marijuana, and nicotine primarily through vaping. You know, cigarette smoking is at an all-time historic low. Uh, Kids have moved away from smoking uh, cigarettes and smoking cigars, and now they get their nicotine through vaping, um, which which they claim is healthier. Um, In a way, they're right, 
because uh, nicotine is just pure nicotine, whereas tobacco has all kinds of carcinogens in it. Uh, But the problem with that is that uh, the nicotine through vaping tends to be a higher concentration of nicotine. So you're getting more nicotine into the brain and it becomes much more addictive. I think there's a lot of research, some research coming out at the minute of the damage on lungs as a result of the vaping. Yes. This is going to be an increasing problem. Abs- absolutely, you know, and I and I think that's that's an issue that's not talked about mm-hmm. very much uh, is the fact that you know they're inhaling this substance into their lungs in higher concentrations of nicotine uh, can do just as much damage as uh, as smoking tobacco, if not. More. I suppose that the vaping really appeals to teenagers. I mean, I certainly see it that you know they all have their cool little gadgets to to vape. You yeah. know, you recharge it with a USB cable and. You know, you can spend any amount of money, and and even that becomes nearly kind of a status symbol of of what kind of vaping apparatus is used. And yeah, and and they're easily mm. disguised. They're easily mm. carried around. You keep it in your pocket and head off to the uh, to the restroom during your break, and, and and you know get a little bit of marijuana or a little bit of nicotine, whatever you want. Uh, parents often are unaware of you know the the vaping instruments that are out there. They might not even recognize it if they saw one. Um, but it become it, it has become a real problem in, in, in the teenage population as kids move more and more to vaping. Is it a case, Richard, that for a lot of parents, and I suppose I probably see it with parents as well, that they're you know if it's you know they're afraid to talk about suicide in case it puts the thought of suicide in the child's head, and a case again of maybe they're afraid to talk about drugs in case it makes the child do drugs. Yeah, I think that's a paranoia on the part of parents. You know, if, if we talk about drugs, our kids are going to get interested in drugs. Well, your kids are likely to become interested in it anyway, whether you talk about it or not, because they're mm-hmm. out with mm-hmm. their peers who are probably talking about it if they're not using. So I would encourage parents to uh, have, a, have a conversation with your child, not a lecture. Have a conversation with your child. See what their opinion is. See what their thoughts are about drug use. Uh, you know, uh, see what they think about their friends and their peers using substances. Introduce the issue of the neuroscience to them and how it affects their brain. Ask them if they're interested in in how their brain works and how these drugs might interact with the brain. Uh, you might be surprised. They 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 may respond and and be actually curious to that type of a discussion. I was just going to say, Richard, before we let you go you were talking about one of the um uh one of the saddest cases you ever had to deal with yeah um we want to leave on a positive you know what's the when it comes to your mind what's the most successful case study you've had yeah i'm glad you brought that up peter because one of the one of the one of the objectives of my book besides helping parents learn the warning signs and feel more confident about this subject was to give them a sense of hope One of the things that I have on my book, there's a chapter on the neuroscience, and I point out in that book that our brains have a remarkable capacity to heal themselves, a remarkable capacity to heal themselves, so that when we stop using a substance, our brains begin to repair, and our brains have a remarkable capacity to improve. So the message I want parents to have, one of the messages from my book is a message of hope, that you 
you can get through this, that you can feel more confident about this topic, that you can feel better prepared to deal with it if you have to, and that you and your child and your family can get through this and come out successful. That's the message that I want parents to know. Be prepared, understand that you can get through this, and be hopeful that if you're involved in this, as, as terrible as it will be, as, as emotional as it will be, you and your children and your family can successfully get through this. There is a sense of hope. We know um, treatment works. Brilliant. The book is called The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. Is it out yet, Richard, or when is it due? It, it is out. It's available on Amazon as both a Kindle and a paperback book. Um, I would encourage everyone to go to the book's website, which is www.helptheaddictedchild.com helptheaddictedchild.com. You can read a sample. You can read endorsements and reviews. There's a link that'll take you to Amazon where you can order if you want to either the Kindle version or the paperback version. It's only about 100 pages, so it won't take you very long to read it. If you get the paperback, you can keep it on your bookshelf, loan it out to a friend if they need it, or just have it as a resource. There's also a link where you can uh, contact me uh, if you have a question or a comment, and it'll come directly to me. I love that. That's a lovely mm. touch, isn't it, to be able to contact the author directly? Yeah. Richard. Brilliant. You know. One of the things we do on the podcast is every guest that comes on, we ask them to share some words of wisdom, some life learnings they've taken, some motto to live by. It doesn't have to be anything in relation to the, the addicted adolescent or anything like that, but is there any kind of words of wisdom that's, that, that you've taken that, that you'd like to share with anyone out there? <laughs> I think the only words of wisdom I have are, um, you know, we all make mistakes. We all screw up. You know, uh, the difference is some people learn from them and some people don't. <laughs> so my words of encouragement are, you know, we're all going to screw up. We're all going to make mistakes. Focus on uh, f focus on the learning that you can get from those mistakes. Uh, you're much less likely to make them again if you can walk away and say, this is what I learned from this. Dream on.